Hello, welcome to Off Curve. I am looking good, and I am talking to you while I am sitting in my fancy chair at my fancy desk with my fancy mic and my fancy guest because I have a special treat for all of you. I am not recording in the car for a good reason because uh, Ridiculous Hat has deigned to jo- to grace the podcast with his presence once again. And welcome back, Hat. That intro makes me sound like a jerk. Oh, no, you're not a jerk. I'm just using fancy words because I'm overeducated. Well, yes, you're appropriately educated, but <laughs> it's not so much deigning as our schedules have finally aligned. The stars aligned without a star aligner. Yes, well, I had a star aligner and then I dusted because they yeah. nerfed Aviana. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, that was just one broken card out of a million. And uh... <laughs> Star aligner did nothing wrong. Star aligner was just... <laughs> Next to things that should not have been happening. Well, well, and that's the theme of this entire episode because we are. It, it takes more than just me to address this rotation and talk about all of the things that we are losing. This is going to be like I don't actually watch The Walking Dead, but Maureen does. And after she's done, there's the Talking Dead, and they have the montage of all the zombies that have died grisly deaths. With, with you know, the fancy music to give them a send-off, and that's basically what this episode's going to be. We're going to say goodbye to all the monsters that are going to die grisly deaths all at once and then leave peaceful silence behind. But unlike The Walking Dead, there will be much more cheering this time. <laughs> I'm sure that just like The Walking Dead, people will be unhappy with the way that those things have died, but that's, that's neither here nor there. Um, but, you know, we have to, before we get into... What's going to come? How is because I, I know you've been getting you've been talking on Coin Conceit about getting back into the game and and finding the fun again. So what have you been playing this week? Are you are you back on that that mid range warlock still, or have you found something else? Well, this week I have not yet played a game of Hearthstone. I think I have played one game of Eternal because I am on a business trip and uh, it is more business than anything and a lot of driving so i Mm. haven't played anything but when i have been playing which was mostly over last week there's a mid-range cube rogue played by shayla 91 that he won a master's qualifier with that includes the undertaker or the undertaker however we pronounce it i don't know and i don't know if the undertaker needs to be in there but i do know that cubing mechanical whelps and then prepping out Necrium Bile on the cube is good. And somehow that deck is more fair than most things that are happening in the format. Because <laughs> anything that doesn't involve Rexar or some sort of a Death Knight is fairly fair or at this point. Or charging damage with the Hyena and a bunch of 1-1s. Yeah. One I it's, mean, you still have cubes, so it's at least a little bit unfair. It's moderately unfair, but not extremely unfair. It's the right amount of unfair. So yeah. I've been I've been doing what I can. But I said this on the sh- on Coin Concede. I want to play Hearthstone, and I I do not want to play with any of the decks in Standard right now. I have found some yeah. that kind of scratch the itch, but I'm still just waiting. We're all just waiting because the mechanics that we have to embrace to compete in this format feel like we're the baddies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why I and we were talking about this right before the show that, um, well, before before today, I was playing six set Paladin, which is basically just like all of 
the little paladin cards and um, scarab eggs and all the buff cards and then two copies of Divine Favor. You just play Divine Favor, you draw eight cards, you win, because that's how Divine Favor works. And, you know, I wanted to get that out of my system. But today, I had two warrior quests at the same time, and uh, Si Jahang um, over in Blister Guy's Discord gave me a Tempo Warrior, which I was enjoying until I wasn't. Um, that was running Soul Thrace and Akali the Rhino, which I actually really, really like. Um, but again, it's also very fair because you play against a hunter and you have a, a limited number of threats and they have an unlimited number of threats. And then right before the show, we were, I was sending you screenshots of, I had tweaked the deck a little bit and ran up against an honest to goodness Aleneth Rogue. Aleneth Mage, rather. Aleneth Rogue would be something else Ooh, entirely. It's Steve, that... you can't start the podcast that way, Steve. <laughs> uh, so Aleneth Mage, who gets Aleneth on curve, of course, and then ends up taking Deck of Wonders from Primordial Glyph, plays it as they're going into Fatigue, so it plays like four or five spells simultaneously, and one of those spells, as they are one card away from Fatigue, is Blade Flurry. And so they're going into Fatigue, they Blade Flurry, and then save themselves from fatiguing out three, four cards a turn, and then have plenty of time to uh, to Arcane Missiles and Cinderstorm and Pyroblast me in the face. And that was just like the the intro to this episode. Like, that is that is this episode in a nutshell. Just like all the broken things that can happen all at once with just randomness and overpowered cards and everything else. Um, the range of emotions involved in that <laughs> in that three-turn period is so significant <laughs> because at first it's the nostalgia over seeing an Aleneth, and then Aleneth cast Deck of Wonders, and that's amazing, yeah. and then it destroys their own Aleneth, which you normally don't want to do, but they're doing a one card before fatigue, and then they burn you out over two turns, and it's... Ugh. Yeah, yeah. We um. So I was casting House Rivalries with Cinder Saturday night, and we ended up. It, we didn't start the second match till close to midnight, and there was an Odd Warrior on one side and a Death Rattle Hunter and a Big Spell Mage on the other side. After the bans, and so the of course it goes to five games, and game five is Odd Warrior versus Big Spell Mage, and we were both like delirious at that point, Ooh. and. The the big spell mage is playing Elise the Trailblazer. <laughs> so at one point they they Dragon's Fury to try to clear a board and they pull the Ungoro pack, and then they Dragon's Fury again and they play they pull the Ungoro pack again. <laughs> so they, they spent ten mana and two cards to do four damage to the board. And eventually they get the Ungoro pack and they pull, of course, Tortolan Primalist. And I and I say to Cinder, you're going to kill me, but I can see this game ending with Tortolan Primalist into Deck of Wonders on an empty deck. And and thankfully it didn't actually happen. But it was I was I was deathly afraid that we were gonna be there for an hour and a half and it was gonna be a Tortolan Primalist out of an Ungoro pack into Deck of Wonders into some sort of an unfair spell to end the game after after all that time. But it was just a snap freeze, and the snap freeze landed on the on the um, target they didn't want. So it, all was well at the end. Well, you say. Yeah, but I do have the clip of the um, the dragon's fury turn that I'll put in the show notes also because that is worth seeing. Um, that was I, I have to send it to Trollden I think because it was that was just we we were we were done. <laughs> I mean, 
<laughs> I, I would send in the uh, the ten mana two cards for damage to the board. I would send that in. Yeah, that that's that's the turn that I clipped. Yeah, and and yeah, and the dogs got the do- we Cinder was yelling so loud the dogs were started barking in the middle of it. <laughs> it's a PSA: Do not put at least the Trailblazer in your big spell mage. Yes. Um, so just a couple of quick things before we get started. Uh, thank you to everyone who clicked on the listener support button last week. Um, you know, I have three supporters now and, and, you know, I never really think that I'm going to be making money off this thing. So every time that I'm pleasantly surprised, I appreciate it. So again, there's a link in the show notes at offcurve.com if that's a thing that you want to do. And also, um, I'm going to be at PAX East this weekend. So if you are too, drop me a note, let me know, and, uh, we can try to say hi. Um, that is all of the administrivia. And so we have, uh, what we want to do is, so let's set some ground rules for what this is and what this is not. We are not talking about what the meta is going to be like, because anybody who tells you that they think what they know, what this meta is going to be like after rotation is lying. And we don't, I don't even think it's responsible to even speculate at this point. Um, because we just, we're losing so many things and we're going to have our hands full talking about all the things that are that are rotating out. And I I think we just want to kind of talk about the implications of what all these things are that are going out, what might be able to replace them and what that means for things that you're used to seeing, because this is going to be a very different environment. I don't even want to say meta, but just an environment that I don't think we know how to anticipate, but it's going to be completely different than what we're used to seeing. I mean, anyone that can tell you they know how hard, how cars would drive without wheels does not really know. <laughs> we're, we're talking about a transformation that we have not seen since the first rotation that Standard existed. This is... Yeah. It's hard to really illustrate how significant the Mammoth cards are, which is why we're doing an entire episode about it. But the a new Standard format, any Standard format, is a jigsaw puzzle, and trying to do it with 100 unrevealed cards and with all this stuff leaving without any playtime is like doing a puzzle without the corner pieces you can't do it it's not doable or or the middle pieces or both (laughs) probably both and and there are a lot of really interesting mechanics revealed so far but this is not a card review stream we're not going to be looking forward at how these things will fit into all these uh, different possible environments because we just don't know it would be a waste of your time and we don't want to do that. We want to instead look firmly in the rearview mirror at all the cards that uh, I'm sure someone will miss, but I'm not sure that we will. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's just kind of a collection of all the things that have terrorized us. And it's and it's like not all of them are bad, like Tar Creepers, a card that's leaving that I don't think anybody is is really angry at. Um, you know, I mean, it, it's been problematic at times, but I don't think anybody's angry that Tar Creeper's leaving. And like, you know, you had a, a segment on Coin Conceit talking about car, you know, what cards would you miss? What cards, um, what cards are you just ready to GTFO? What cards would you want to see rotate into a core set if they were going to? And I mean, Tar Creeper would probably be one of those. Um, but and I think we need to probably just start with the neutrals as a as a level set because there's a lot of neutrals that are just in a lot of decks that, and I went through this list and, and I'm just, I don't even want to talk about all of them cause there's a lot, but like I highlighted the ones that are really seeing a lot of play and I'm just going to read this list and we can just kind of talk about a few of them, but Baku and Gen, obviously like goodbye. Like that's thank goodness. Like I am not going to miss odd paladin or odd warrior or, 
even warlock anymore like it's enough already and you there's a place time and place for for those and it's called wild at this point but um but devil sore egg firefly gentle megasaur which hasn't seen play a lot lately but it was certainly a significant part of the meta about this time last year uh glacial shard gluttonous ooze primordial drake stonehill defender tar creeper vicious fledgling that's just on goro and then uh in knights of the frozen throne you have corpse taker you have uh prince kaliseth saranite chain gang skulking geist the lich king and then kobolds you have arcane tyrant carnivorous cube corridor creeper fungal mancer king togwaggle plated beetle master oakheart shroom brewer spiteful summoner void ripper and zola the golgan the gorgon and that's not even everything those are just like the, the ones that you see all the time it's like trying to do a beatles greatest hit album and you could easily all their albums are greatest hits every single album they have is just full of hits but this is like the hits of the hits yeah and this is post-nerf, too, because a lot of these cards, if you talk about pre-nerf, you have to talk about Bone Mare, among other things, and Giggling Inventor was kind of sent to the sent to a purgatory, I guess, even though it felt like a mammoth card. I mean, it felt like a mammoth card. That was actually a recent card that felt like a mammoth card, yeah. That was like their one like relapse, basically. It's, we have to print something to make this set relevant, and then, whoops, we shot too far, let's nerf that. Yeah, and, and and I mean, just like Kaliseth and Baku and Gen are kind of the three biggest ones, just because they change which cards see play and which ones don't by virtue of what cards are eligible to fit into decks. Like, we were talking today about, like, while I was playing this Temple, Temple Warrior, like, is Kaliseth really worth it, or should we just be playing, like, Battle Rages and Warpaths? Like, Warpath in particular is one card that just has not seen any play because... There's not really a deck for it to fit into, and because you're either playing Bach or you're playing Kaliseth. Yeah, it's they're the two card, the one-two punch of Blizzard's conspiracy to make two drops irrelevant. Because you, it almost every deck could not play a two drop for some reason. If the Gen decks could, and then they nerfed all the Gen decks, I don't even think there are any left. Even Paladin and even Warlock. Even Paladin, even Warlock. Which the two drop in even Warlock is is just life tap again. Right. Like, you Vulgar Homunculus, but you just life tap for one mana twice, and that's two mana, I guess. Um, even Paladin, yeah. And yeah, yeah, you have, like, a Monty Berserker oh. is, is still a valid card somehow. Yeah. And all the other even decks have kind of been eliminated. And really, I think the fourth card that is the most important that makes two drops less relevant is Firefly. Because it just gives you something to do. Turn one Firefly, turn two Firefly Hero Power is good enough and makes two drops way less necessary and firefly is in every deck it's in every deck and i don't even think it's evil but it's ubiquitous it's ubiquitous yeah it's everywhere and 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 glacial shard's kind of in that category too because it turns out one mana free something get a two one is pretty good and you know that's that's how you fight against all of the fireflies and everything else is by having a two one that can also keep it from attacking and getting initiative and then you also have um, Atrus Veteran is kind of a card that I didn't mention in that list, but is also in all these odd decks, or not all of them, but certainly Odd Paladin, because it also allows you to kind of fight on board that way. And that's not really a huge problem, but it's still just another one of these cards that probably wouldn't be seeing play if it wasn't for Baku the Moon Eater. I mean, it's the same same reason that Corpse Taker is another one that I think we probably need to talk about in that regard, because 
Corpse Taker makes other cards see play that probably that may not in the new world. Like any sort of any card that has Wind Fury printed on it that's not Alakir is probably I would say is lo- a lot less likely to see play when Corpse Taker goes away because you would play things like storm watcher or thralmar farseer just for the chance to get wind fury on a corpse taker and it's valid whoa steve i was led to believe we're not making meta predictions are you saying you don't think thralmar farseer will see play <laughs> is that what you're I'm, saying i'm, I I'm saying misled. i'm saying i don't think storm watcher will see play because it's rotating Yes, and Thralmar Farseer remains a question mark, but listeners, don't craft that one in golden. There's a there's a significant opportunity cost there. <laughs> uh, that was even a recent thing, and we, I remember seeing that in the Secret Paladin. Like, why is this card in the deck? Oh, of course, Corpse Taker. Of course, that's why it's in the deck. Of Corpse? Of Corpse Taker, yes. Ugh. But yeah. yeah, I mean, it's like all, and, and again, like this has been a theme on both of our shows for a long time. Like deck building challenges with success is is not a deck building challenge, and eventually they get solved, and then you just get a whole bunch of cards that kind of go together in a package. Like we don't have the the problem that we had with like Arcane Tyrant, not Arcane Tyrant, um, uh, Azure Drake. They both start with A's. Yes. Um, but we don't have the problem with Azure Drake being everywhere. Because we now we have like this package of like three or four cards, like Zilliacs, two corpse takers, some sort of a wind fury minion, and probably you know whatever other divine shields you have. Well, and Zilliacs is just a legendary Azure Drake. The reason Azure Drake was rotated is because you look at what to do on five mana, and you just click Azure Drake and you move on. And now every single deck, I think, you probably start by adding Zilliacs and then figuring out by the end should I remove this for something, but you assume you're going to be playing it because it's a powerful neutral that's really a removal spell that gains you life and stops the next thing your opponent wants to do. There is no reason not to play it. It's the same reason why Firefly and Tar Creeper and Kaliseth and Corpse Taker as well, these powerful neutrals, have seen such significant play because they're better than anything else you can do with the slot. Prince Kaliseth to the point where you would rather play just him than any other combination of two drops because just the one is so much more powerful yeah and and i mean i remember talking about it in card reviews on the happy hearthstone i mean we've talked about it in why aren't these cards seeing play is that if it's two mana and it's in any sort of a tempo class you're you're not going to see it because kaliseth is just better and and the other card that we haven't talked about is zola the gorgon which is which i I think a lot of people kind of shrugged off i mean it's it's funny looking back at how we evaluated those cards when we were not young and naive, you know, a year and, and three months ago when people were like, Oh, why do you need a golden copy of that? That's a meme. Like, no, it's, you're getting a copy of it. It happens to be golden and letting you do things a second time. Like Janelai Zola is a real thing in odd mage. And that's a, a legitimate play. And that's just kind of the first thing that comes to mind. But being able to make a copy of anything. I mean, the whole reason that the OTK decks, I mean, they still, you still have enough bouncers like the pandas, but Zola made those decks so much better because you left one of those horsemen on the board. And then you were reducing the chances if they didn't remove it of being able to get a different horseman, as opposed to if you're just bouncing it back to your hand, you're back to a 25% chance every time. Zola says the thing I'm doing is so above the curve that I'm going to play a minion that's slightly below the curve and still come out ahead in the deal and generate a resource in the process. It is a subtly insidious card. 
and combined with one of the other really powerful effects that I think we haven't talked about, but I think is my number five card after Gen, Baku, Firefly, and Keliseth. Keliseth over Firefly. My yeah. number five is Fungalmancer. Yeah. Because we somehow were in a metagame where Bone Mare was everywhere, and that was giving plus four, plus four in turn seven. And we look at Fungalmancer and said that's going to do the same thing on turn five, but over two bodies with no taunt, saying, well, that might not be good enough. Spoilers is really, really is, and a Blessing of Kings that's two turns faster and makes two threats hard to remove and gives you a 2-2 in the process is worth playing a neutral for a one-mana premium. So, in fairness, that didn't see play until Bomer got nerfed. Like, I remember APX Void trying it out in Tempo Mage before the Bone Mare nerf, and people were like, why are you playing with this card? It's weird. And it wasn't until after the Bone Mare nerf that Fungal Master started coming started coming into its own because it turned out that was just another way to get the bone mare effect without the taunt can you think of any other card that was around at the time when fungal mancer and under bone mare around that made buffing minions less relevant i'll give you a hint it was a zero mana five five yeah yes that too i mean the fact that i mean and carver creeper still played as a two five like that we thought that was getting the the war song commander treatment and that actually still sees play. I mean, granted, just an odd paladin, and it should be kind of a, a narrower card than it was. Like control cards, control decks were playing it because you would play a board clear and then follow it up with a card or creeper, and a five five was better than the four four you were getting out of Arcane Tyrant. Um, and Big Spellmates was playing both. You would go Dragon yeah. Fury, and then some combination of Tyrants and Creepers. It was it was a weird time. It was a weird time to be playing Hearthstone. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, and there's there's some other, you know, heavy hitters on this. I mean, Saturday Night Chain Gang's gotten nerfed just to stop the Shutterwalk nonsense. Skulking Geist is still occasionally relevant just because of some of these OTKs that it shuts down. Togwaggle, we don't need to talk about. Oakheart is generally, if Oakheart's in the deck. Like, I remember evaluating that card. Like, I, I this is broken, and I don't understand how, but somebody smarter than me is going to figure out how to break this, and it's going to be terrible. And I was right. And it took a set, but it, it we got there. Well, it took a round of nerfs because he was too slow when, again, people were playing zero mana, five fives, and then bone marrying them on seven. But drawing three cards and gaining the mana for them, especially in the same set where they print Dragon Hatcher, is just not an okay thing to do. And we haven't even talked about two of the most played neutrals of the past year and a half, the Lich King and Carnivorous Cube, which are... Completely diametrically opposed. Lich King ended up being fair, but having the same problem as Ragnaros. You didn't know what to do on eight. Let's play the Lich King. And it's it's fine. I don't even think the card is offensive, but it's been around for a while. Meanwhile, Carnivorous Cube, actively offensive. Actively not okay. Yeah, and, and I, re I remember talking about this way back, when, even when it was first coming out. Like, if, if Carnivorous Cube is coming out, something's, something's very wrong. And, and Carnivorous Cube, and you, I remember you calling it even, I mean, not at the card review, because that was the one that only Kenny got right, if I remember correctly, from yes. your, every, every time that this comes up. But since then, I remember us being on one of these shows and you saying, I think we're going to look back on this set, on Cobalt's and Catacombs, and we're going to realize that Carnivorous Cube was the villain of the piece all along. Yeah, I feel like it was sometime, it might have been this show last year, it's, it was after the card was out between three and six months, it was after Cube Warlock had gotten nerfed and Cube was still seeing a lot of play. Yeah, I think that was right at the birth of Cube Hunter, and the card is not ever designed to do anything where you're not just smashing your opponent with an absurd amount of value over the top with a one-man activator. 
I think that was the it was when Taunt Druid was starting to pick up. That was it. It was right when Taunt Druid was picking up, and we were done with killing people with uh, 20, 20 attack of Doom Guards, and instead we were building five boards of unclearable taunts in a row. And Cube was involved in both of those with a one-mana activator. And, uh, yeah, it seemed unfair, and it was the whole time. And we didn't even have Death Rattle Hunter yet. Like, this was prior yeah. to Death Rattle Hunter. Like, Katharina... Like, it's it's funny to think that Katharina in, like, the end of the Year of the Mammoth just was not good enough. And in, even until the Call to Arms nerf was not good enough. It was only after that that, like, Recruit Hunter became a thing. And then we got, you know, then we got a couple of the other cards and we got Zilliax and and people figured out that Devil Sore Eggs were better than just relying on, you know, the beasts coming out. But it's it's just amazing to think that some of these cards that, like Master Oakheart too. All of Cobalt and Catacombs wasn't played. It wasn't until Taunt Druid. It's like, oh, yeah, Master Oakheart's actually seeing play now. And you think back to back then, it took a year for Deathstalker Rexar to be good. And I think that's the poster child of context mattering, of unforeseen things influencing the metagame. And also in this Blizzard nerfing a set twice in the same release cycle— it's even harder to predict with any stability because the really significant outliers are not going to survive. They will nerf quickly. They have to now with daily masters qualifiers and information being scraped automatically off of Battlefy and Hearthstone grandmasters happening every weekend. Boring format formats will lose viewers. They will nerf fast. They might nerf three times in a release cycle if they mess it up. And it's not just viewers because that influences ladder like the next day. Like you yeah, see if something wins, it, yeah, I mean, like if, if there's a, a deck that wins a qualifier that goes on Twitter, the next day you see it all over ladder. It, it happens in an instant. So if that if that happens, especially because specialist is revolves around there being a balanced and varied metagame. If it's just the same two or three decks banging into each other with polarized matchups, it's going to be a bomb of a format. And it's it's tolerable. I, I don't even want to say it's tolerable now because the number of pros that I that I see on Twitter, you know, unhappy with it are, you know, it, it unless they happen to just one and done a qualifier. But if they're having to go in, go again, you know, over and over, like it's miserable for them because it's just and these qualifiers just take forever because of Odd Warrior. Like if the format doesn't improve in that way, then they have to nerf it or else it's just going to they're they're gonna lose play players, not just viewers, very quickly. And it's not currently tolerable, but it is tolerated because this is the beta test of specialists more right. than anything. And right. it's probably in Blizzard's best interest to let this format be bad if the next one is good. So they will allow Hunter to continue to dominate. And I don't know if we're gonna get a better segue than this because we look at the hunter cards that are rotating out listeners i know you know this already but have you ever looked at the list of hunter cards from kobolds and catacombs have you ever looked at these cards <laughs> have you ever gone down the list and been like candle shot flanking strike katrina emerald spellstone rock Delar, to my side wandering monster and just get angry sometimes and, and that's seven cards and they only release nine cards per class at a set we missed cave hydra and seeping oozling which saw play in the early yeah. versions of Cube Hunter until they printed better cards. And ultimately, anything that has a beast tag on it sees play, just not in somebody's deck. It, it comes out of Rexar. So you see Cave Hydra plenty. You just don't, you don't see it being put in decks on purpose. And, and the rest of that list that I, that I curated just 
on top of that is Crackling Razormaw, Terror Scale Stalker, Bear Shark, Death Stalker Rexar, obviously, Play Dead, and Stitch Tracker. So we're losing the Spell Hunter archetype as a whole because Rockdalar and To My Side were that archetype. Um, we're losing Death Rattle Hunter because all the Death Rattle activators are going, as is Katharina. And um, we're probably losing a lot of Secret Hunter because Spellstone was the payoff for that. So all of the the primary archetypes are losing the real big payoffs aside from Midrange Hunter. It it still does lose some things. And, and Dire Mole is actually, you, you noted it here with the Hunter cards, and it's basically a Hunter card now but it, we didn't list that with the the neutrals but that's another major card that's that's leaving but you can still make a decent mid-range hunter with the core that's remaining in that deck after you take out all the year of the mammoth cards the only thing is that without death stalker rexar you don't have unlimited value you eventually get to a point where you start drawing dead and then a control a control deck can overtake you that the difference is right now whenever you play against a hunter there's a certain point where you just kind of have to hope they don't draw Rexar because if they do, then they just continue to make threats over and over again. And those threats are better, unless you're also playing Rexar, are anything that you can put in your deck because the threats that you have in your deck are balanced to be reasonably fair. And the cards that are coming out of Rexar are not balanced because you're just taking two balance cards and jamming them together. Yeah, and the Master's Call Dire Frenzy package, that's still relevant. But it has limits. It it has a clear end game, and Springpaw will remain probably the best card from Rastakhan Rumble. Really potent early game board control tool. But you look at this deck without Deathstalker Rexar, and you've got probably about three rounds of really good threats, and then they're out. And there are obviously going to be cards revealed that we don't know about yet. There's going to be a lot more to Hunter and to every class that we're unaware of. But they specifically said they are not printing any more cards like Rexar or Hagatha that are infinite value. And Hunter is hard to outlast, but not impossible unless they draw Rexar. And then it is literally impossible. And that will be a paradigm shift. And there is draw RNG involved in that too. Because like if you get the beast that you want before Dire Frenzy, before Master's Call, that's a lot of value. If you get dire frenzy and you don't have anything to put it on or you get have to play both your master's calls to find the beast and then you draw a dire frenzy after that that's not nearly as threatening if you have to draw all those fairly it's when you're putting a high putting um like dire frenzy on a hyena or in this or you know in our current world a crackling razor maw and then shuffling three copies into the deck and then drawing those immediately back out with master's call that's when it gets really scary but that's not going to the the deck the games where that doesn't happen right now rexar bails you out and that bailout is not going to be there for mid-range hunter going forward but it's still going to be a, a a playable deck the scariest turn now that we're keeping is rng dependent but it is also very entertaining it is turn 10 or turn uh turn seven if you stick an augmented elec it's stampy, stampy. huffer dire frenzy put six hoppers in your deck that's scary but you have yeah. to get huffer right and we all know it's only huffer when your opponent plays the card so when you're playing the card it is much less likely to be huffer so then you get a lot of leox <laughs> and a lot of leox is fine but it's not quite the same as all hoffers yeah 
Yeah, and and so I think that even like because I've seen some people saying like, oh, mid range hunter doesn't lose that much. I mean, it first of all, yeah, it does because Rexar is a big deal, and even then, like the the one thing, and and I've seen this both in in this game, and I've also seen it in Eternal, which we both play at a fairly high level now, and like we want consistency, especially if you're being competitive, but also too much consistency gets it to the point where it's boring and and occasionally frustrating to play against um the games just kind of play out the same and if you if there's polarity there too then you just kind of know how that game's going to end yeah well and the redundancy i think of the power level of outliers is really what stands out to me in eternal and also kind of cross over to hearthstone where when you have enough cards at a certain power level that you don't need to compromise, that's when the game gets boring because everyone's just playing these really above-rate threats and doing all the unfair things. And everyone is doing unfair things to each other, but nobody really wins that exchange. And as far as the argument that mid-range Hunter doesn't lose that much, anytime you hear someone say, a deck is not losing that much, they're losing their targets, they're losing this metagame. Right, You're losing what you're playing against, which is just as important as what you're playing with. So if you're not sure about this, when you go to a restaurant, keep your fork, keep your plate, keep your knife, and lose your entree and tell me that's not important. What you're, what you're targeting, what you're dealing with is just as important as what you're using to deal with it. Yeah, and, and also what counters you is, yeah. is also important. Like I've been – again, I don't want to talk about new cards, but this is one example that I think demonstrates it relatively well because there's Rafam's scheme, which – summons a bunch of 1-1 imps. I don't know if it's going to be good or not, but people, I, I've seen a bunch of people saying, well, who cares about a bunch of 1-1s? And I have to play Hearthstone Historian and remind them that back in the old gods days, we had Darkshire Councilman and Forbidden Ritual. And Forbidden Ritual it used up all your mana and summoned that many imps. Now, first of all, there was Darkshire Councilman, which got plus one attack for every minion you summon, but also just those imps were good enough because there wasn't really any good counters to it until... Karazhan got printed and then Maelstrom Portal became a thing and everybody was playing Shaman and all of a sudden you couldn't just put a bunch of imps on the board because Maelstrom Portal was just going to wipe it out and everybody had Maelstrom Portal. So it's not just a factor of what you're, you know, what you're targeting, but also what is targeting you that determines what's going to see play and what's not and what's going to be good and what's not. And a flatter power level actually gives more options because you are restricted by the peak of any format. When the outlier is really, really strong, you are compelled to either play it or target it. And when the outliers are of lower variance, you are often rewarded by playing higher synergy decks that work together in a more limited way as opposed to higher power level decks. I think back to how Token Druid for a second was a really, really strong deck, even though it had one trick and one trick only, which was play a bunch of tokens it was either whispering woods or spreading plague and then put soul of the forest on them and that was good enough for an entire format and that deck was surprisingly skill intensive even though it was just a one wind up and one punch almost all the time but then as the format got more and more powerful strategies like that were not competitive enough and fewer and fewer options became available as the outliers became that much higher on the power level so a flatter format has more doors open. Think back to the Angora rotation, the Angora release, versus the Witchwood release. What was the dominant strategy when Witchwood first came out? All the same stuff we've been doing already because the recruit cards were busted. Yeah. 
And, and you know, one more thing about Token Druid too is that that was also benefiting from Priest not being a thing. Because yeah. as soon as Priest became viable, then Psychic Scream became a card, and Psychic Scream would punish that strategy hard. But as long as Priest isn't oh, isn't in the metagame, then you can get away with putting a bunch of a bunch of uh, Death Rattles on a bunch of of Treants or a bunch of Wisps, and not get punished by them all getting screamed into your deck and then drawing Wisps for seven turns. Yeah, and mass dispel wasn't a thing either, and so when people weren't playing priest, there was no chance of your living mana just destroying all of your mana and your board. That just didn't right. happen, and then people played priest, and it's like, well, guess I can't do this anymore. Yeah, and, and so that kind of brings us into Druid, too, and, and living mana is one card that isn't seeing play now, but did see play back when old-school token druid with two-mana innervate was a thing because— it turned out just spamming a whole bunch of stuff after they spend all of their all of their resources just dealing with your first board was pretty good. And then we're losing Malfurion, the Pestilent. Again, we're losing all the Death Knights, but Malfurion was one of the first ones to see play and is just generally good and can fit into almost any deck that's not running Witching Hour. And we also lose Hadronox, Spreading Plague, Ultimate Infestation, Branching Paths, Ironwood Golem, Oaken Summons, Jasper Spellstone, and now Naturalize. And and these are and, and Greedy Sprite is starting to see some play too as a ramp replacement for uh, Wild Growth that got that got nerfed. And this is also after both Wild Growth and Nourish have gotten nerfed. So uh, Druid, I mean, Druid's not nearly the terror that it used to be, but I mean, we still have Mechathune, we still have Hakar every so often, Maligos Druid is still a legitimate deck, um, we've had Taunt and Spiteful Druid come in and out every so often, Bodicus was uh, was playing Spiteful Druid up to what, like rank 2, rank 1 that he was able to get, he was trying to convince me to play it and I didn't bite, but... Um, but I know he was playing that to a fairly high rank, and, and even Quest Druid has come in and out um, of the meta, depending on what was there. So there's, but all of that kind of relied on the ramp being ubiquitous and now losing greedy sprite. I'm sure there, there will be some sort of awkward ramp option that gets printed though. Maybe not. Maybe they just say enough is enough with the ramp and they just give Druid a bunch of awkward minions and let it try to figure out some sort of a new strategy or maybe tree and druid really become really is the way that things are going to be have to be going forward. And ramp was always good. Innervate was always busted. Wild growth and nourish were really they became bigger problems when ultimate infestation was printed, which I'll point out yeah. was so core to druid's identity that Steve <laughs> forgot to put it on this document. <laughs> we were I was looking over all the druid cards that were rotating. I was like, Steve, you forgot UI. Because it used to be it used to be that Nourish was this card where you decided, do I draw cards and generate value later? Do I generate tempo now at the cost of cards? And UI basically said, you don't have to make that choice. You have ramp now and cards later because UI will replace all the cards you spent on Nourish. And I think it kind of really is difficult to overstate how much that changed how Druid played because it used to be that they could run out of cards. That's why Ancient of Lore was nerfed. And Nourish, when your opponent top deck Nourish with an empty hand, especially with a Fandral in play, it felt awful. But then that just got built into the class with UI, plus removal, plus life gain. Every single number in that card could have been four instead of five, and the card still would have been really powerful. It's mind-blowing how they decided that was the right thing to do, and yet still not the biggest mistake in this list. Because Spreading Plague used to cost five! Five mana! 
we had this argument on this. Oh, I'm not this. We didn't argue with each other. We were arguing with Gara. You know, he wasn't on. He wasn't with us. He was on a video, but like arguing with people after that nerf that, you know, spreading plague wasn't the problem because the win rate was low. The played win rate uh, was low. Uh, and it's like, yeah, Steve, that is two yeah. podcasts in one. We have enough to deal with with the mammoth. Do not start in the data <laughs> podcast. The point here is yeah, spreading yeah. plague sucked when it first was printed because it was all J Druid mirrors and you don't want spreading plague against yeah. a bunch of 10 tens. <laughs> That's, yeah, and, and and also you didn't you you never nourished for mana back when because then you were just playing jade idols, and so you wanted to get through your deck as quickly as possible to be able to shuffle jade idols in. Once ultimate infestation got played, you were going to draw through your deck no matter what. So then you got the mana so you could get to ultimate infestation faster, and that whole you know that whole synergy of everything working together and just having so much armor gain i mean i was playing like i've been playing mechathune druid and it's amazing how much armor you can just make i mean ferocious howl isn't on this list because it was it's one of the few cards that has seen play uh out of uh, you know the year of the raven but on top of that i mean you have oaken summons which gives you six branching paths gives you 12 ultimate infestation gives you five malfurion gives you infinite and just all that armor just made it so hard for any other class to get through and and the reason that that had to be was again when these sets were being balanced fiery war axe cost two mana and pirate rogue and and aggro shaman were the terrors of the meta and you needed to have defensive tools to fight against those that this this was intended to try to counter that but it still wasn't enough and then they nerfed them and but then they had all this armor that was left over in the meta and then you had to start printing otks to in order to, to combat all the armor and it turns into that simpsons skit sketch where they bring back the you know some sort of a i forget what it is from like australia and then they have to find the tree lizards to eat the frogs and then the snakes will eat the the tree lizards and the and the gorillas will eat the snakes and then we just have to wait for winter to come so the gorillas will die I'm compelled by your argument, Steve. I, I do think the problem was all these cards that for four mana you gain six to 12 armor. Let me make you a deal. How about one armor? Yeah. How about four mana for one armor? And then every turn it gets a little better. How about that? Okay, that that's fine. I'll never play that. <laughs> no, because why would you ever play four mana gain one or wait a while when you have four mana either gain 12 or gain six and draw a card or I don't need the armor. Let me do other stuff. You you put branching paths next to Dr. Boom scheme, which is what we're meaning about. If you're unaware, it's a it's a common card from the new set. That's four mana gain one armor. And at the end of your turn, it upgrades and you look at the power level between the two. I'm not going to say the Dr. Boom scheme should ever be discussed as a power level comparison to anything because I think it just purposely ratcheted down. But you look at what they were doing last year versus what they're doing this year. It is bonkers. It but, is crazy. But you even look at Bring It On, right? Like Bring It On was, contempor- was contemporary with um, – with, not with Branching Paths, but with Ultimate Infestation it was. And like Bring It On's like two mana, gain 10 armor, but you discount all of your opponent's minions in their hand by two. And it's like, well, yeah. why would I ever do that? Yeah, and and they got Ironhide and Ironhide was KF, K and C, right? And uh, yes. or was that or was that Witchwood? I don't remember. That's like one mana for five armor, no, no nothing. It's like, well, great. That's like a drop in the bucket. And and but even then, you just got Baku, and then it doesn't matter because then you can do four armor a turn. So who cares? Um, it's one mana for five armor or two mana. For four armor and no cards spent every single turn. Yeah. Um, and Ironhide was Ungoro. 
Oh, really? Okay, so yeah. that's, yeah. Wow. That's back when they were kind of making fair cards. So, I mean, Druid, what Druid has left is, like, a bunch of weird mechanics that they tried to give them so that they weren't give them, giving them any more good cards, like the Treant Synergies in uh, in Boomsday, and then all this, if your attack is high or based on your, your hero's attack cards in Rastakhan and... And, you know, some additional treant synergies with the the tree speaker and whatever. But it's going to be weird to see how Druid comes together. But it could. It could it could find a way to put all those treant things together, and that could be good enough. It's, it's hard to say. It's going to be a different take on Druid than we've seen in the past, just because all the Druids that we've seen in the past have been way too good. There have not been any Druid classes for years and years that have really been underpowered or appropriately powered that I can think of. It's all been way too strong so they have to take it in a different direction we're not really sure what they're going to do all right so that that's enough uh to meditate on on druid <laughs> we can move on to to the other classes so mage um so the the main decks that we had from mage were uh big spell mage odd odd secret mage odd control mage and then you know janky slash elemental mage for those who are brave enough to play it or stupid enough like me um and you know, it's funny because you look at um, if you look at Knights of the Frozen Throne, like R- Mage was such a terror with um, with Burn Mage in Ungoro that it got like next to nothing. It really just got Jaina and Sindragosa is kind of like a bit player and everything else was just like garbage. And but well, and it, it got Druid gaining 30 extra life a game, which was so significant that like we talked about. What you're playing against is just as important as what you're playing with. And Burn Mage did not work very well when other decks suddenly had perpetual uh, incremental threat generation and near-infinite life gain. It was just way too much for Mage to ever deal with, and Alexstrasza doesn't matter if your opponent has 30 armor. Not to mention just the the small fact that like every class got access to 5 armor gain, which is something yeah. that they didn't all have. I mean, Plated Beetle, I guess... Well, Plated Beetle was on Goro too, right? I um, believe so. Yeah, so I guess they had access to some armor game, but that I mean even then they didn't all run it, but every almost every class except for maybe like warrior and and rogue at the time would have been running a, a death knight and they all had access the to five was, armor uh, game. Was K and C. Oh, it was. Okay. So yeah, so in Knights of the Frozen Throne it wouldn't have that. And and but they did get um in in Angoro they got Archonologist and Meteor, they got the quest, which, you know, was of varying degrees of effectiveness. And Primordial Glyph, which at the end of Ungoro, people were calling to be nerfed. Like, this this is something that you—and and this is kind of the reason that we, we're kind of careful about, or I am at least, about talking about potential nerfs until things really get to a point. Because, like, people were legitimately asking for Primordial Glyph to be nerfed because of 8-mana Pyroblast. And it's like, look, it's— it's it's only good because all the mage spells at the time were really good, and then they printed things that were like soft nerfs to Primordial Glyph, like uh, Glacial Mysteries, and that card just got significantly worse just from the pool, and also from Mage losing that one way to play, and Tempo Mage never really not getting to be a thing until Alaneth was printed in the next set, and then we also got all of the the big spell Mage and um, and Secret Mage. Uh, support so we got Alaneth, we got dra- explosive runes for secret mage which also had all of the the secret synergy cards that had never seen play before 
And then we have Arcane Artificer, Dragon Caller Alana, Dragon's Fury, and Raven Familiar. And Dragon's Fury, like, we didn't even... Like, Dragon's Fury also has dictated how any sort of a non-tempo mage is played. Because if you are playing Dragon's Fury, and you are because it's the only way you can do more than four damage to a board, then you want all of your spells to be costing five mana or more. And, you know, you unless you're going to, you know, play a... A uh, at least the Trailblazer, <laughs> put, put an Agoro pack into your deck. But but like, <laughs> but but if you're if you're playing Dragon's Fury, like you really want that to go off at five or more mana, or or Polymorph is like the low end that you just have to run because you need to be able to get rid of some of those minions. And so that's kind of dictated the things that you don't see, like Frostbolt, which we thought was a staple of Mage forever and ever. Like Frostbolt and Fireball rarely see play right now which is amazing when you think about it. And, like, Arcane Intellect, too. And Frost Nova, and by extension, Doomsayer in Mage decks, because the good Mage decks right now don't play 2s or 4s or 6s or 8s or 10s or Shifting Scrolls, because Baku. Or Elemental Invocation, I guess. Yes. Unless you're Bodicus. Yeah, well... <laughs> Only one one person can be Bacchus. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I just want to give him credit because he, he defends me in my Shadow Step hate on a regular basis, so. We're not to rogue it, Steve. Give it a second. <laughs> but, the next class but, is Paladin, know. which I'm certain none of us have a card that they hate so badly that no. they want to set it on fire. No, no. I, I think that, that class has lots of uh, divine flavor as it as it already is, and it's fine just how it is. But, um... Uh. <laughs> But, I mean, Explosive Runes is, was kind of good, in le at least because it made you play around multiple things, but then Mirror Entity just went away entirely, and you just still knew it was Explosive Runes. Like, at the time, it was good to have secrets that both triggered on the same things. You didn't know what to play around, but also you couldn't play around anything. So, and just doming you for damage is better than getting a copy of your minion when you just want to play Alaneth and dome them for more damage. It made the games less interesting because yeah. the mirror entity board states could at least be gamed with Doomsayer and Fireflies and other junk. And sometimes your opponent would misplay and drop a drop something big into it, and you would win. And it created that variance and risk game state, which makes for good gameplay. And otherwise, now it's just how much damage am I taking? It right. was just it was just a numbers game. Yeah, and, and it's like, can I throw something with six health into this so I just don't take any damage? Can I play a tempo and, cube? Or yeah. worst case scenario, a non-tempo cube. Can I actually eat something that I want to eat and then cube soaks it, and then I get two of them right away and I don't even need an activator? Yeah, I mean, something that you want to eat, like, you know, a Krispy Kreme donut? You know, it's, I'm very hungry, Steve. I will stop this podcast <laughs> and go get donuts. <laughs> I just want to make sure you're getting donuts because you can't get Krispy Kreme as often where you are. So, um, I don't know if there are any late night Buffalo donut eateries, but I am going exploring after this show. Okay. I, I hope you do. I want you to be happy. Don't you worry. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's like, there's like all these just, there are cards that again have not seen play because of those deck building challenges. And that's something that you don't even really think about in terms of a deck building challenge is, dragon's fury but i mean even things like arcane explosion like that that could be relevant in like you know a zoo meta or like cinderstorm might actually see play in some versions of a control mage but they just don't because you can't afford to play those cards i mean fireball i bet i bet you know a control mage would love to still have fireballs just to be able to end the game and it may still in the new the new world 
but you can't play those right now because you can only have so many four mana cards to go along with your um to go along with your dragon's furies like even like lesser ruby spellstone would be another one that would be great to have but that card literally never saw play just because you know again you can't it would need to be in an elemental mage or really just a quest mage the biggest mistakes that were made in Year of the Mammoth, particularly Knights of the Frozen Throne and uh, Kobolds, but to a lesser extent in Goro, especially with the quests, is that when your deck building challenge says only play either this particular type of card or specifically target the best cards of this effect, what you're doing is invalidating a large swath of cards that just aren't as good as doing the one thing all the time. If you can ever exchange variance for highly performant consistency you will do that every time because in a game that is innately random like any card game with draw rng the more consistency and power in the process the better and the deck building challenges like keleseth but even more to extreme like all the recruit cards like dragon's fury which is recruit spell basically and all these cards that rely on what is in your deck or what death rattles are you playing or only play the best the best ones or anything like that it just says take all the cards that are not as good as these two and never play them and it's been that way for a year and that means that huge chunks of the of the card pool just get completely eliminated permanently and that is the deck building challenge that blizzard seems to have moved away from i hope and said they're moving towards like the new hunter legendary the seven mana five six that gives you a two three weapon when you attack you get plus two spell damage that turn that's super cool and interesting you got to work for it after you play it and you got to see what happens and you have to include cards but the payoff will probably not kill your opponent and you want to play cards with spell damage but you also want to survive till turn seven it's going to be interesting there's going to be tension there it's going to be choice but there's variety as opposed to only put doom guard and void lord in your deck and it's it's just a very yeah. different environment and it, it, what it's doing is it's incentivizing you to play cards that you wouldn't normally play, not because other cards that you would otherwise play are invalid, but because you get a bonus for playing that card. Like, if you go, like, if you look at that, and again, we're not talking about the new cards, but we kind of are. But, like, in that case with the spell damage, like, you look at the cards that actually do damage in Hunter, and there are not very many of them. And it's like, I was getting into a conversation with Sidisi today on Twitter, like, well, why wouldn't you try an explosive shot or multi-shot? Because those don't see play now, but if you have an opportunity to turn that into, like, a mini meteor, then maybe that's good enough now. And that's a deck-building challenge that has you ratchet the power level down on your deck for a synergistic payoff, as opposed to ratchet up the power level on your deck because the same thing happens every time. Right, exactly. And that, that's that's what's promising about the way that the new direction is going. So... Speaking of Paladin, so, again, mm. Paladin's been defined by, you know, Baku and Gen for the entire year when it's not being defined by uh, Holy Wrath. Um, or Call to Arms. Or Call to Arms. Well, Call to Arms was still Gen, but... Um, so you're, you're losing Hydrologist, which really wasn't relevant this year, but was last year. Lost in the Jungle. Uh, Sunkeeper Tarim, the, the biggest miss of almost everybody. Um, Spike Ridge Steed, Vine Cleaver, Righteous Protector, Uther of the Ebon Blade, which is just now becoming relevant, um, Call to Arms, Unidentified Maul, which talk about variants, uh, three good, three good results in one, and one dud, <laughs> and the three are, hmm. that are good are really good, 
Um, Except Val- for those games where you really need a defender of Argus yeah. or the equivalent, and then it's taunt, and then suddenly it's game winning. Right. But usually it sucks. Yeah. But it sucks on and, turn three every time. Right. And and it's, you know, again, it's most of the time your opponent is not happy, regardless of what it is. Um, Valineer, and then, of course, Divine Favor, which is going to the Hall of Fame, which, you know, nobody's happy about. Um yeah. <laughs> But but again, I mean, it's, it's it doesn't even really matter what they introduced here. Like some of these cards, I mean, Tarim is obviously like there was talk of nerfing Tarim, and Tarim was obviously a very powerful card. But really, like and, and Righteous Protector too, having a one one Divine Shield taunt on on turn one is really relevant. But the most relevant thing is just the Gen and Baku are going away because those those two hero powers and you know all the things that went along with them were so powerful in paladin specifically when it, when you their board based hero powers that get stronger not having those and having paladin have to play a little bit more fairly along with not having divine favor as a fallback plan is i think will make paladin look a little bit more fair and maybe we start going back to some of the things like they introduced a lot of interesting things for paladin in boomsday and in Rastakhan, like the the Heladin concept is really really interesting, and um and so is like the mech synergies. Like Egg Paladin was a thing for a time, and it it still could be viable. Like Mechano Egg is still a good card, and it just it's just going to be fair because you're not going to have Spirit Singer Umber and Carnivorous Cube to abuse the living hell out of it, or Meat Wagon, or Meat Wagon. But even Meat Wagon was I mean Meat Wagon was okay. <laughs> Meat wa- you know Spirit Spirit Singer Umber into Meat Wagon. That was a turn. Um, I'm prepared to say Meat Wagon didn't really do anything wrong. I'm prepared to say that. Yeah, it was just yeah. it was just a Meat Wagon. But yeah, yeah, it's. I think that where Blizzard has struggled to design cards for Paladin is that it is it is a class that is all about stat efficiency, and so about once a set they will print some card that kind of pushes the boundaries of that, or maybe two or three. You can see. Sunkeeper Terum pushed those boundaries really significantly. Spike Ridge Deed pushed those boundaries. Righteous yeah. Protector a little bit too good. Called Arms way too good. And then by the end of any year, you take all these cards and you put them together, and every single card's a little bit too good. That's how you get original Secret Paladin. And that's yep. how you get current Secret Paladin. That's how you got Murloc Paladin. Yep. Which was, it, it was, that deck was very efficient. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh, you, th- that one was all wet. Yeah, I was really fishing for that one. Yeah, yeah, I think it's starting to stink. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, but even like, because Murloc Paladin was a thing even before Call to Arms, and then Call to Arms came in and it and it turned from a mid range deck into an aggro deck, like overnight. And the only reason that it's not still a thing is just because you can't turn your hero power into press a button, summon a Murloc. Um, but you know, I mean, there are plenty of other well-statted minions that are, that are available and, and you do still have things like a mortal prelate, I think is going to be a legitimate strategy at some point. I, I think that seems viable, especially with them introducing new buffs. I mean, sound the bells is probably one of the better cards that uses echo, um, that I think we'll probably see more of, especially without Spike Ridge Steed competing for airtime. Um, like we talk about how Echo was kind of a failure, but people forget about how how good Sp- Sound the Bells really is, even without Lanessa. 
Like, that's a really efficient buff card that also has other synergies that it can trigger if you if you set it up that way. Yeah, I mean, it's really flexible. The real question we have here, and this is starting to get into speculation a little bit, and I want to avoid yeah. falling into that trap, but I will say that the designs that we've seen so far are all about value and generating value over time and making decisions about now versus later. And that's really interesting gameplay, but we have to see if that matters. We have to see yeah. in, the, in the meta we're in now, later is better than now. You almost always want to want to go for what is going to be game winning later because you have some kind of uh, windmill slam uh, roundhouse kick at the end of the game. And in previous metas, there have been some where the aggro cards are too good and it's now is better than later. Right. Spend all my cards really aggressively. And we really want a meta where there is a choice between the two because neither is better than the other. And if we get to that point, we will probably have a really healthy meta with a lot of really interesting choices. And a card like Sound the Bells will be good because it's both. Because right. you play it now or later. Right. But we have to hope that Blizzard gets that balance exactly right. Because anytime it skews too far in one direction, it gets bad. Yeah. And I think you look at the Omega cards, right? And the Omega cards should be that, right? Like, they should be a choice between now and later. Like, I'm going to slam a Yeti now, or I'm going to blow up something for 10 damage later right or i'm going to play a 2-6 haunt now or i'm going to play a 12-6 haunt later but yeah. again to your point the, the later was always better because those games are always going long like a, an ag an aggressive deck like one of the most aggressive decks that's there is mid-range hunter and those games can sometimes go 15 20 turns if they get rexar yeah. on curve and and that's not going to be the case anymore either because because you don't have to build your aggro deck that way because you don't have to worry about a void lord or a obsidian statue or or multiple obsidian statues or, or a diamond spellstone getting back a 214 and a 312 yeah. time and yeah. speaking of classes that prefer later over now steve yes. Yes. why don't you just go ahead yeah so priest and priest was bad up until like the first nerf of um of rastacon like people are, are are sick of priest already and that happens very quickly but I just want everyone to remember that Priest was in the dumpster with just cloning gallery Priest by people who were experimenting with it up until, like, the, the first nerf of Rastakhan, and then it actually became a thing and, and had multiple archetypes. Like, Control Priest was not a thing until Druid got nerfed because you can't get through all that armor, and Druid was everywhere. Um, but we're losing the quest, which comes in and out every so often. You lose Lyra, you lose Radiant Elemental, um, you lose Shadow Visions, and we're going to talk all about Shadow Visions in a second, so we'll come back to that, because that's a huge thing. Um, you lose all of the Resurrect effects, you lose Eternal Servitude, you lose Spellstone, you lose Shadow Essence to summon something out of the deck, you lose Obsidian Statue as one of the best targets for that, you lose Anduin, which has is, is been a problem all along. You lose Spirit Lash, which is pretty... So Spirit Lash and Dustbreaker, so Priest is losing both of its really good early game AoEs. Um, and you're losing Psychic Scream, which is one of its late game AoEs. And you're also losing Twilight Acolyte, which is kind of replace Shadow or Death um, in the Dragon lists. So it's losing a lot of tools, but Shadow Visions and the Resurrect effects are the two that are really going to change the way that Priest gets played going forward because shadow visions just giving you access to multiple copies of the powerful spells in your deck or allowing you to go closer to a highlander format or actually a highlander format in in you know last year 
when Kazakis was still around, um, you know, lets you be a lot more flexible and also get more copies of things than you really should. And, you know, the numbers of games that end with four Mind Blasts or, or three Holy Smites or an extra Resurrect more so than you already have are that's really what makes priests feel unfair because it just makes like even just the fact that inner fire divine spirit is a legitimate strategy and not just a meme because you don't need to worry about your two copies of inner fire or your inner fire and your topsy-turvy being at the bottom of the deck and not actually having a win condition until you draw one of them because you could just dig them out with the shadow visions and you get two extra draws at it effectively it is the best priest card they've ever printed i think it is actually number one and the unfortunate part is that outside of the power level concerns, this is the good kind of deck building challenge. Either you put a ton of different cards in your deck for toolbox, right? For for to get something just in case you need to put in one shadow word death and one silence and and cards that you might need later and you want to make sure you have the chance to go look for them. Or you do what everyone was doing in the year of the mammoth meta, which is take out all the cards except for the three or four that you want. And then go get the one that kills your opponent, and then kill your opponent. And it was, it had the chance of being used for good, but it it really enabled a lot of really really broken combos. Not to mention that you could just buff up your spellstone by going shadow vision for shadow vision as many times as the game would let you. Yeah, yeah, and, and I mean the the resurrect effects just feel bad in general, and, and yeah. the fact that they they let in a two fourteen divine shield taunt at the same time that that there are this many resurrect effects i mean and in wild it's worse because you have two mana resurrect too and then big priest is just a thing and that, that's just miserable to play against when they get barns on four but even without like wall priest i i love priest right like that's not a secret and i have not hated a priest deck more than wall priest ever like normally i can find something to like about most priest decks I cannot stand Wall Priest. I cannot stand to play it. I cannot stand to play against it. It just, it is 20 minutes of feeling like the end is coming the whole time and there's nothing you can do to stop it. And and it's granted, it's not always the case. And when you play it, you learn that, but it still feels inevitable, but it feels inevitable in slow motion. And that is the worst kind of inevitable feeling when you're playing against that deck. Yeah, I am recently not going to say a priest player, but I say willing to understand that priest has some positive value. I will thank Dragon Soul for that. But <laughs> Wall Priest is the deck that makes me most want to not play Hearthstone until rotation. Yeah. Because Same. it is a combo deck with the kind of inevitability that Freeze Mage wishes it had back in the day, where the way that it wins the game is by bringing back three or four giant taunts and then killing you. And if you're an aggressive yeah. deck, you just lose to the taunts. You don't even care about the inner fire divine spirit. You you lose to resurrecting what uh if you get back just Tar Creeper, Mashog Enforcer, and Witchwood Grizzly, you just lose to the thirty one extra points of health yeah. you gained. Thirty one. Yeah. It, yeah. And 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 if you're a control deck, you have to you have to remove those minions because every one of those is a threat. It's like this is the reason that mid-range shaman was such a problem in Karazhan, because there was a threat that they would drop that inspire minion and then make them all into like this army of attacking things. And it's the same thing. Like every single one of those minions is a threat that you need to remove because they can just buff it up and kill you. But you you only have so much removal and you can't remove those huge boards the you know, unless you have a very specific deck 
to be able to to deal with them and and you can't even really like the way that you dealt with this like the way i dealt with this in the q block era with with void lords is was with you know pint size potion shadow word horror and and you know potion of madness and void rippers and everything else to kill to steal the steal the things that were going to come back and make them die on my side of the board but you can't even do that because they run shadow madness so you you steal it but you can't kill it off and then they shadow madness it and kill you with it anyway Losing to Shadow Madness on your own minion is maybe one of the most frustrating things possible because the turn you start to stabilize by committing one thing to the board, like, oh, that looks nice. Yoink, you're dead. Yeah. Or Master Spell. I mean, Master Spell is just as bad. Like, oh, I got a taunt in the way. No, you didn't. And it's not even like, you know, okay, well, I can get through this one taunt, but I can't get through two. No, it doesn't matter. Like, so it's just like, again, it's too many things. Like, Maureen plays, you know, intermittently, and she plays generally around rank 10, rank 15. And she hadn't been playing for a while, and then she was picked it up again because, you know, they're giving out the free packs and everything. And she says, hey, um, you know that deck with the bear and the 214? I said, yeah, Law Priest. Yeah, I hate it. She's like, yeah, that can die in a fire. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just, it's, yeah. But I, I hate playing against it, too, because it's just like a waste of time, it feels like. But, I mean, everything, I mean, even Cloning Gallery, like, I enjoy it, but I know... There's a lot of a lot of feeling like that. Just you know, you just play cloning gallery and you win, which isn't true. But um, but yeah, I, I understand how that feels bad too. And 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 priest is going to be in a weird spot too because it's losing all the stuff. It's losing most of the board clears. It's losing a lot of the dragon synergy, and it's left with like a lot of weird tempo tools like lady in white, like um like zarek like zarek master cloner did you just try and call lady and white a tempo tool is that what you just tried to do well tempo value whatever i it, you know it, which is way. it i'm it's gonna value. vote for neither no it's, it's not it's it's, it's, <laughs> it's value when you get 400 dust back that is the value i still like that card i i know it's gonna be i know it's not good but i it's like you know i you know how you, you sometimes just like bad cards like i yes. like that card I am keenly but, aware, but it, it, but it's like, those are, you know, and there's like a lot of like, just like minion heavy type things that, or, or like, you know, discover a minion from your opponent's deck and like a lot of like the, the weird, you know, like Zarek master clone is just a weird card. Yes. And I'm trying to think even like in Rastakhan, like what got like, like the Talanji Bwansamdi spirit of the dead stuff. And, and I think that can be. I think that can be good. I think that's an interesting way to do resurrect. It's a fair way to do resurrect. Um, but I, I don't know. It's going to be very weird. And and playing priest in an era without shadow west, without shadow visions is going to be bizarre. It's going to be weird because that's uh, priest really hasn't been very good without it ever. It's it's going to be actually impossible to predict because we have not known yeah. a priest without it. it it's been in every in literally every priest deck except the ones that had the deck building challenge where you put no spells in your deck yes um which is summoning summoning uh a spiteful summoner in case you're um in case you're wondering so we get to rogue and rogue has been quest rogue then quest rogue got nerfed and then something else and then quest rogue came back and <laughs> like quest rogue is just like freddy in the in the friday the 13th movies where it just refuses to die and, you know, with intermittent spaces of Kaliseth and Shadow Step, basically. I mean, it, you know, the cards that we're listing here, like, we're coming in and out, but, 
really i mean the caverns below obviously and vile spine slayer have been like the two um like the two constants and elven minstrel as well and then you have some combination of Faldroy strider kingsbane sonya shouted dancer sometimes you have um you have maligos and you have cobalt illusionist sometimes you have like sharazin was good until all this stuff came in and just like resurrecting a five three every couple turns was not good enough anymore and you know you, all of the the kingsbane and kingsbane accessories that we got in um kobolds and catacombs so I'll, I'll i'll defer to you on how much rogue really changes it feels like it's it's getting a little bit more fair but it's not really losing it feels like it's losing more neutrals and it's losing class cards all, all things mean, considered rogue's thing is that it makes neutrals into class cards hench clan right. thug is a rogue card uh, Fungal Mancer, Bone Mare, Cobalt, Scalebane, Corridor Creeper were all yeah. super core. Deckhands. These are all cards that, like how Acolyte of Pain is really a warrior card almost always, Rogue will take cards that only have really niche application and will turn them into Rogue class cards. And it's move, it's losing a lot of neutrals, but neutrals that only saw a play in one class, what what are they really losing? And you, yeah. you highlighted Sonya Shadow Dancer. Sonya was just a quest rogue accessory she saw play for about one minute in tempo rogue before everyone realized it is just a win more card it has never yeah. seen play when not getting back Gakling inventors or stone test force and right. what rogue is losing is rogue is losing kaliseth losing aku and it's losing a whole bunch of really powerful neutrals now you keep hench clan thug that's pretty good rogue adapts it's gaining a lot of lackey cards that we've seen so far, and lackeys are powerful, especially in a class that wants one mana to enable combo. Losing Vile Spine cannot really be overstated how important that is, because that card was as present as Shadow Visions was. It is the most played rogue expansion yeah. card probably ever. I'm trying to think if there was a better one. Depends if you Take can. Take your sharp sword oil. But that was more niche. After Blade Flurry got nerfed, it went away. Well, yeah, I mean, it was played for not as long. That's true. Yeah. And Vile Spine Slayer, yeah. since it's been printed, it's been in both Standard and yeah. Wild, and has been one of the best cards in the class in every possible deck. A lot of the rogue classic cards are still just as good. And so it's just a question yeah. of what enables these classic cards. And speaking of class cards that are actually neutrals, Gadget and Auctioneer is still around. And all these zero yeah. mana spells and prep stuff is going to be good because prepping is just it's it's a card they haven't balanced yet because they don't know how to balance the class without it and you still have prep and myris which are yep. the one of the most powerful combos in the game i think i think what it's really losing is it's it's losing firefly but it's getting lackeys and it, as far as combo enablers and it's losing four drops because elven minstrel and falderai strider in anything that wasn't a quest rogue were the four drops and 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 Rogue kind of always had this problem of four drops, and it finds something. And me, I wonder maybe that's going to be Ticket Scalper. Maybe that's going to be this four three discover a card from another class pirate that's in um, that that just got revealed. But and I'm sure it'll find something. But four drops are always kind of the the question mark when it comes to Rogue at a rotation. Yeah, and and Hooksy will be good enough because it's just yep. that's the remnants of recruit but we don't know what's going to happen to rogue yet especially in set one rogue always finds a way because it's it's just trying to be tricksy and play with really powerful classic cards and it's got really powerful classic cards and the more minions matter 
the better sap is and the better sap is the better rogue is not to mention backstab si not to mention the good rogue cards we have from year of the raven there's quite a bit out there that is still going to be quite playable so i i am really not sad that kingsbane is going away that card was unhealthy i am not sad that caverns below is going away because that card was unhealthy um i will i will fondly remember vile spine but it's time for it to go and you're getting contract, which is a little bit more expensive, but that's still going to do something similar. And it's not going to give you the body, but it'll give you another effect alongside it. And we're keeping raiding party. Yeah. And raiding party, as of right now, we'll just go get Necrium blades, and you will just get Necrium yeah. blades and put something with Death Rattling deck. It does not matter what it is, just something. It can be a Mech Whelp. It can be Blight Nozzle Crawler. It can be any number of other Death Rattles because we haven't seen all the cards yet. We're keeping Cursed Castaway, and so yeah, that, I mean that's play. a Death Rattle. That's a yeah. that's a perfectly cromulent Death Rattle. I mean that's a pirate that you're also getting with the weapon. That just yeah. kind of makes sense. Yeah. And it gets you cards that make you lackeys, and then you get Togwaggle, and you prep out the treasure, and yeah. Reddit explodes. Yeah, that's all, that's all that matters. You get Togwaggle out, and it's gonna Togwaggle needs to put a shirt on. But other than that, it's uh, that's a yeah. that's a good card. Well, <laughs> but we only have two and a half classes left. So do you want to get the half yeah. out of the way? Let's let's talk about Shaman. And uh, I mean, Shaman's been gutted so much. I think it's got it's probably got a lot of room to grow, just because like Shaman's just not it's not getting free stuff anymore. I mean, that's the thing. That's the reason that Shaman was so bad. I mean, you look at what Mage and what Shaman got in in um, Knights of the Frozen Throne. And Shaman got all, like, the, the Murabi crap, and none of that was any good. And it's it's really not super recovered from that. And it got, like, Spellstone and Rune Spear, and, that, I mean, it got some good tools in terms of Healing Rain. Um, and, I mean, even, like, Crushing Hand wasn't really played. Like, Unstable Evolution and Healing Rain and Grumble, but Grumble was only, only really played be- when uh, Shutterwalk was a thing, and now Shutterwalk's not a thing anymore. Um, and it was, it had all the even cards, but then, um, then Flame Tongue Totem got nerfed. So even stopped being a thing. And now Gen's going away. So even's really not a thing. And the element, it's going to lose a lot of the neutral elementals because it's losing Kalamos and it's losing things like Blaze Caller and the four drop that gets Taunt and Divine Shield that I can't remember the, the name of. And your Stone Shaper. Yeah, there, that's one. And it's losing uh Fire Plume Phoenix and you know a lot of the things that earthen might was was witchwood i think yes but don't quote me. yeah i think earthen might was witchwood and menacing nimbus definitely was was boomsday but there's just going to be a lot less of that kind of synergy to be available because you were relying on kalamos being the payoff for that and and also blaze caller being the the payoff for that and those aren't really are going to be around anymore unless they're printing more elemental synergies of the new set, which I would be surprised if they do. So Shaman's going to have to find a new a new identity, though. You know, Swamp Queen ha- Swamp Queen Haggith is a pretty good way to get people to figure that out. I've been calling that a deck building challenge that requires that you put Shaman cards in your deck. Um, which <laughs> you know, I mean, the greatest challenge of all. But yeah. you say Shaman has to find a new identity. What was the old one? Shaman it, hasn't had an identity. Ixar talked about this on Value Town. They're not really yeah. sure what Shaman does, and the times it's been playable in the past is because they undercosted some stuff. It's not right. because they figured out a, a mechanic that really works. It's because they got the numbers wrong, and that is when Shaman yeah. has seen play historically. So they can't do that again. And being the class that gets, like your class identity cannot be gets design mistakes every every year. That cannot right. be it. Yeah. 
and, and it can't just be just you know flood the board with little crap and then you know turn that into big crap with bloodlust because i mean that was one that was one of the ways that shaman was good after because you had all the evolve effects like they go into some of these mechanics and they go too far like with tunnel trog or with um with evolve and then all of a sudden you've just got these you know oppressive decks for a little while and then those those things rotate out and shaman's back where it started again i mean at least priest has a priest has kind of the same problem but priest kind of has a base to go off of and it's got some decent tools but the shaman tools keep getting nerfed yeah. <laughs> like x and and flame tongue totem and the stuff that it has left like bloodlust is fine if you have a way to generate a board but there isn't one and they give them they, they keep giving them new mechanics but not actually like leaving them around long enough to to build on so it'll be interesting to see the kinds of things that they're getting um i i don't even remember like what they've gotten in like the last couple sets i knew they were getting more elemental synergies in um, um in boomsday thunderhead oh thunderhead they thunderhead yeah. they got overload overload matters thunderhead lickum and zap i think are the yeah. three cards that give me hope and hagatha as well both iterations of hagatha are value machines and so shaman might just be the ultimate mid-range class yeah. and that would be a cool development but i don't think it could be the permanent thing i'm curious which direction they go or you go into value shutterwalk which would make appa happy that's right they did like the spirit of the frog stuff in in rastakhan um and and i mean omega mine's a card that's never really seen play that might um that's a lot of life that that is a lot of life battle if you don't remember omega mine is a two is a two drop a two three battle cry if you have 10 mana crystals your spells have life steal this turn never seen play but it could and um you know i I don't think stormbringer is going to see play anytime soon but it, it could see some play with some i mean you have you know voltaic burst and um wartbringer is a card apparently battle cry if you play two spells this turn deal two damage i'll take your word for um, it yeah and you have like zentimo and and um kragwa that's right so you could get some value out of that but yeah shaman's a big question mark just because shaman's not even seeing play now and i, I but i think hagatha will be enough of a enough of an incentive for people to try it the the biggest pro for shaman right now is that every other class loses so much more <laughs> and they that lose they'll nothing. be brought down to yeah. closer to shaman's level yeah because x minus zero is still x it's not yeah. really losing anything and every other class is so the it will at least be closer yeah i mean it's losing volcano and healing rain those are two significant losses but i mean sure, it's getting other but, stuff to make up for it and neither of those is currently seeing play because Shaman's right. not currently seeing play. Because, yeah, because they nerfed Shutterwalk. Um, so then we go on to Warlock. And Warlock, again, like you went through the 100 cards. Let's go through the Warlock cards of um, of Cobalt's and Catacombs because we really want to lose our, our dinner. So these are all the cards from, um, from Cobalt's and Catacombs. Cataclysm, Dark Pact, Hook Reaver, Amethyst Spellstone, Possessed Lackey, Rin the First Disciple, Skull of the Minari, Void Lord, Vulgar Homunculus. Nine cards, every single one of them is seen play in one in one form or another, even if it's Steve, just in Mechathune Warlock. Steve, you forgot Kobold Librarian. Oh, did I? I did. Holy you crap. You forgot Kobold Librarian. How did I forget Kobold Librarian? Good grief. Again, it's one of those cards that's like, it's so ubiquitous that i completely forgot left it off the list 
I was and, so and, used to seeing that card in Warlock yeah. that I forgot to even notice yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, that card is kind of also real important. Yeah. I mean, and all of those cards, all nine of those cards have seen play something or another. And, and I mean, the other stuff that they got, I mean, they got literally nothing in Angoro. They got Blood Bloom, and that was basically it. Um, in in Knights of the Frozen Throne, they got Blood Reaver Gul'dan, which needs no introduction. It got Despicable Dreadlord, which is still a good card. It got Defile, and it got Gnome Faradu, which we can argue about, but still does see play and control Warlock. Just gives It helps get you to a fatigue scenario, and sometimes gets rid of a critical piece. Because every card is pretty critical. So, Warlock's losing a lot, and I mean, Zoo... You know, we have Control Warlock, we have Cube Lock, we have Mechathune Warlock, we have this mid-range Warlock with with the Soul Wardens that I think could still be a thing, even though we're also losing Doomguard to the Hall of Fame, so there's going to be a lot less discarding happening. Um, and you also have Zoo, and Zoo is always kind of a thing. I mean, we're getting a lot of a lot of cards that make a lot of bodies and cards that buff things in the hand and on the board. Um, Grim Rally seen very little experimentation spirit of the bat scene very little experimentation um soul infusion is still a thing so i i fully expect that there will eventually be this is not a meta prediction this is just a general prediction but i would be shocked if zoo is not a thing at some point it may not be right away but there's it seems like there are enough tools that even if we don't get enough in this set we'll get enough by the end of the year of the dragon that we will have some sort of a functional zoo deck it is a very common day one, week one deck. Yeah. And even if it gets outpowered as the format gets more refined, it is usually a good bet on day one to take the most efficient minions in the format and life tap. Yeah. And, and I mean, you lose the current incarnation of Zoo because you also lose a lot of the, the neutral healing and you lose Happy Ghoul. Um, so you're not going to have like a heal Zoo like you do now, but there, there could be like a sacrifice type of Zoo um with grim rally and and some of those other cards that you know sacrifice minions to give the other minions um a buff and then you know with spirit of the bat as well and then maybe hyreek actually sees some play potentially if that's a payoff for that it's it's uh, i don't I, i'm not i'm not optimistic but i'm i'm it's possible uh, yeah cost eight yeah it does but you know i mean games aren't gonna be over immediately i don't know i'm not saying that i'm not saying i'm predicting that i'm just saying that it's a poss- it's something that, that exists. Um, it sure I, is. Yeah. I mean, I don't... And, and again, you're also getting, like, Rafam, so there's probably going to be some sort of, like, a control warlock type or mid-range warlock type of shell that will still exist. I mean, it's not going to be as oppressive because you're not going to have Skull and, and all of the demons, but you'll still have some things. Um, you know, your even lock obviously is going away just because... I didn't even list even lock on this list, but even lock's going away, obviously, because of Gen... Um, the cube block's going away because of cube and and because of skull, but you'll you'll still have probably a mid range to control archetype that tops out at Rafam, presumably. Well, the most important at thing that point. Warlock is keeping is life tap, and life tap is always yeah. relevant unless it gets outclassed in a really major way by other stuff that is pushed too hard in the format. It is almost always worth it to play the class that can draw extra cards. Right, right, and then. You have anything else to say about Warlock, or should we just? Oh, we're also. Yeah, I mean, losing Void Lord also will just be good for everybody. I think just not <laughs> having Void Lord in the format is a good thing. It's like Wall Priest in one card. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think um, we can move on to Warrior as we as we yeah. wind down here. And speaking of things that have wound down, Warrior 
it's a sad story because it really just does the one thing and there are different variances in the white thing but like vanilla ice cream and vanilla ice cream with sprinkles i like sprinkles yeah. and that's where the metaphor here is the is the quest or not the quest but that's yeah. really all warrior has done for the past yeah. almost two years now since the fiery right. war axe nerf it saw no play in the end of Year of the Mammoth after the War Axe nerf because you couldn't really do it. You could try Pirate Warrior, and it was pretty bad. And then yeah. they printed Baku, and you could tank up, rank up, and that was really good, and it was fun until it wasn't. And then yeah. it became a question of, am I playing against Rexar or Mechathune? No? Okay, I win. Yes, okay, I lose. Or is Eric's cloning gallery and then get Mind Blasted for 108? Right. And, and and you could tell that they really just didn't want to give Warrior anything good while Pirate Warrior was still a thing. And I mean, they managed to print bad recruit cards somehow in, in Kobolds and Catacombs. Like the only cards that don't see play to this day are Gather Your Party and Wool Cleaver. And well, the restriction on those was it was twofold restriction. One, play Warrior and two, no other restrictions, because the biggest restriction right. is actually not having a restriction. Shadow Essence worked in a class that had Shadow Visions and a lot more removal, but Warrior really didn't function all that well without some kind of early minion presence to, for defense. And so not being able to play any minions except really, really big ones was a huge negative for Warrior while it worked really well for Priest. And Recruit Without Restriction means that you just have to take out all those minions you depended upon for survival. Yeah, and, and I mean, the other cards that it's losing are, you know, like hit and miss. Like Direhorn Hatchling is probably the biggest one. Um, you do lose uh, Dead Man's Hand, good. Like, that Ugh. that needs Ugh. to just go away. Um, the only card that's made them have to put a turn limit rule into competitive play. Um, you're losing Dry Whisker Armor. Again, just too much armor. Um, you're losing Forge of Souls, but who cares? The only reason that existed was to get Wool Cleaver. Um, oh, Blood Razor, which yeah, Blood Razor is a, a card that I wish had seen yeah. more play, and I think that was one of the two cards that I said on Coin Conceit that I think would be a great addition to the classic set. Yeah. It's powerful, it's very flavorful for Warrior, and it's not too good. And the card saw a decent amount of play until Baku came in, and I think it is just the right power level, and it, it's Death Spite in a fair way. Yeah. So... I really enjoyed playing with that card, and I'm sorry that it didn't get more time in the sun. I wouldn't be surprised if we see something similar printed again. And, and I mean, Reckless Flurry is kind of also it's it it feels oppressive now because of because of Baku. But I think without Baku, like that's a that's a reasonable card. If you're getting reasonable amounts of armor, then Reckless Flurry is a reasonable card. And and that kind of got a bad rap because of Baku, I think. Because it just became like three mana wipe the board with some sort of a downside, but not enough of one. Yeah, it's the card as a whole isn't offensive unless you pair it with really efficient board clears. It's a flame strike, right? Yeah. It, you, Warrior should not have five mana flame strike. And so I think when it's a much more significant cost when you're getting rid of multiple turns of armor at once to clear a, a wider board, I agree, the card will be a lot less offensive. Right. I mean, it's it's kind of like a twisting nether, but for three mana, which probably shouldn't happen. Um, yeah. All right. So we, we're, we're wrapping up and we only got a few more minutes. We've already been going way longer than my normal episode, but I'm sure that most people will not mind because uh, I the feedback I get is that people enjoy these episodes. They don't mind when they run long. So um, but I also want to make sure I stay married. So we will wrap this up quickly. But <laughs> um, so 
we we do have some questions that we got. Um, Blister guy asked, "Why are we both so dreamy?" And I mean, I I don't know that either of us can necessarily answer that because that would just be self serving. It's I don't really have a good answer to this. Yes, um, Blister guy. Yeah, yeah. It's because you have furry hands. Okay, I'm I'm gonna leave that there because I don't know how to respond to that. Um, okay, so Smiley Chris actually asked, what is one card that's rotating that you wish you'd see more play? So, um, you know, that's, I mean, we talked about a couple of them already that, that just never really saw play. So what, what would you say is like your, like one that we, maybe we hadn't talked about yet, if there's one so that's I have left. a few. Uh, Shadow Ascendant is the perfect example of a card that I think should be in Priest Core Set because Priest never has good 2-drops, except for Radiant Elemental and Shadow Ascendant. Shadow Ascendant never saw enough play. It is the perfect kind of proactive, minion-based card that Priest needs a critical mass of to actually be able to compete on the board. And I also really enjoyed Plague Scientist. Again, it really is all about board interaction, making a small sacrifice with some work on your side to deal with a larger investment on your opponent's side. But when everything in the format is about immediacy and there is no interactivity or investment, it becomes much harder to justify the inclusion. Those two cards, I think, really speak to the format that I wish we had had to the format that we actually have. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go back to Dragon Soul again because I think that that was... It was such an interesting card, but I mean, it's it's also just not... It's it's not good, and and we've tried we've tried so hard, but I, I feel like that it could it could have been something if we had a little bit more time, you know, to set up and and I, I don't know I feel I have a soft spot in my, spot in my heart, but I mean that's you know that's me being a priest main, and there's probably like a warlock, uh, not a warlock like a warrior card that there's a lot of warrior cards that I felt like probably could have seen play. Like King Mosh is also a card that is just interesting that got played a little bit and then it kind of fell out, but that kind of real, like you have to set it up, but it does such a big impact. Um, and, and bladed gauntlet is an interesting card that saw play like for five minutes and even warrior, but you know, the idea of giving warrior a weapon that wasn't able to go face but could still remove big minions was kind of an interesting idea. Yeah, and seeing play in a Jombre deck is not really even seeing play. Right, right, right. That's for sure. Um, so the next question that we have is um, from Sam- Samurai Fleece, or what are some cards, mechanics from Raven that saw no to little play that you think may have a chance to pop up now that Mammoth is leaving? Cards that cost two. Yeah. It's the the Kelset Baku conspiracy to keep two drops away. Kept me from playing Squashling, which is my favorite priest card in a while. Kept me from playing Pogo Hopper, which is probably like not the it's like chaotic neutral at best. Might be drifting towards the evil side. But Oh, it's definitely evil. Like you're it, you don't want that card to be good, because if that card's good, it, it people are gonna get super angry. Like I'm just saying it now. Like yeah, you're probably right, but the roguey rogueness inside me says I want to play with Pogo Hopper. And uh, and Void Analyst I really am looking forward to, especially if I can sacrifice it and get two lackeys. I would love to buff some yeah. demons in my hand. Yeah. I think Warpath is a card that we're going to see play. Yes. 
I think that's a really good card, and, and I think it's better than it gets credit for a lot. And um, it's going to be a, pr- especially with Reckless Flurry going out, it's going to be a pretty efficient, um, a pretty efficient clear. Um, just for funsies, I would love to see Flark's Boomzuka see play, just because oh, I yeah. think that card is just hilarious. <laughs> um, but although I just I just have one and I lost it. What the hell was it? Um, oh, Anoyo module is also a card that I think we could see a little bit more of, and and really like all of the healing, all the heal it in effects. Really, like I think Zondalari Templar is a card that we could see more of. I think that now that you're going to have the time to set it up. Um, I think this, I feel like Zandalari Templar will have some time to be like the way that um, Hooked Reaver wasn't really a card until all of a sudden it was super a card. I am I am looking forward to High Priest of Call being the new Kelisef. That that could very well be. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, and so what's your crazy prediction for a card? Okay, that's the same thing. But what's your crazy Beef Squatch asked? What's your crazy prediction for a card from Mirror of the Raven that never saw competitive play that will have a chance to shine after rotation. That's that's the same that's the same question. I mean it's cards and mechanics, so um I I think mechs could see some play too. I think mechs could be more of a thing than just Zilliacs. Especially if we get a couple more. Yeah, we could easily see some war gears. Uh it's just a it's a big buff of attack and we don't have fungal mancer anymore, so five mana hit you for more than I hit you with last turn is good. Um the Omega Destroyer the new card from the new set will make magnetic better because you want to play that on four more often than you might realize because it will usually be a yeti and then sometimes a yeti that pyroblasts a minion and sometimes you'll want to play that and put something on it right away and have it attack i i expect i expect uh good mechs with low compromise especially in warrior will make magnetic a lot more appealing coppertail imposter could also see play again I mean, that was something that we thought was going to be a big thing because it, you know, four, four, four mana, four, four against stealth into your next turn. If magnetic becomes a thing, having something that you can sort of guarantee getting something to magnetize to is a big deal. And yeah, you just have you to know. want to spend a turn on a four mana, four, four that your opponent ignores. And if you can do right. that, then magnetic is great. Uh, it, the format just has to slow way, way down for that to matter. Yeah, right. Which it could. It's very possible that it could. Um, and there were a couple questions about the new set that are the new cards that we are not addressing because we've already talked for too long and I'm going to talk with Andrew for six hours <laughs> about those things. So there will be a time and a place for that. And that is called the happy Hearthstone in a couple of weeks. But I think that this is probably a good point for us to wrap up. I think this is pretty comprehensive as we are, we are want to be. Um, so any last thoughts before we wrap up anything that, you know, we didn't cover that you want to make sure that we touch on before we uh, let these people go? Mammoth GTFO. Get out. Yes. Yes. Get out. Agreed. Agreed. Go and away. wild players, I appreciate the burdens that you bear for us. Well, they're just going to be playing against Big Priest anyway. They won't even notice. <laughs> I Wild players, I appreciate the burdens you bear for us. Yes. Okay. So why don't you tell all these nice folks how they can find you if they don't if they somehow don't already follow you in all the places and listen to Quake Concede? Um, follow Wicked Good on Twitter and you'll see me. But also <laughs> follow Ridiculous Hat on Twitter. Check me out at Coin Concede on Twitter or at CoinConcede.com. I'm on that show. We record on a schedule that is more nebulous than it used to be because I travel a lot more these days. But usually Wednesdays. Uh, going forward, hopefully almost always Wednesdays. And then I am very active in multiple Hearthstone Discords, including, but not limited to, the Off Curve and the Coin Concede Discords. Yep. And 
As always, you can find all of the links and everything else at offcurve.com. You can join that Discord at discord.offcurve.com. You can uh, follow my Twitch stream. I will probably not be streaming a whole lot between now and and rotation just because of Paxis this weekend and then recording uh, part one of the set of the set review next weekend. But I will almost certainly be streaming my pack openings and then streaming more after the set rotation happens. And you can get that at Twitch dot off curve.com um you can leave a review on itunes that helps a lot and there's also a link at the show notes both in should be in your podcast client and also at offcurve.com. if you do want to support the show um you you don't necessarily get anything other than my gratitude but my gratitude is uh worth millions um figuratively um so you can do that as well and um i think that's that's pretty much it so you'll you'll come back in a couple of weeks to talk about all the decks that people have dreamed up after we get the new set? Oh, yeah. it's We will absolutely talk about the brave new world that we will embark in, which might as well be a different timeline entirely. I'm really looking forward to a rotation. It's the best time of year, but this rotation is extra great because we're, we're shedding so much uh, disciplinary weights, as it were. Technical debt. Technical debt. Yes. Your yeah. favorite phrase. My favorite phrase. Yes, I love tactical debt, except that I hate it. But, um, but yeah, I haven't looked forward to a rotation like this since like they first put standard in. Like that, this this one has been to the level of the old gods rotation, and I think that the new meta is going to be as different as the old gods rotation was, if um, not more. And it may take as long to settle out, which it may be a while. But, um, but anyway, until then, enjoy the 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 last throws of um the year of the Raven and. Good luck to you in whatever you do, and uh, be good to each other. We'll talk soon. Have a good one. Bye.